Hey there, this is Nathan Agan, and welcome to the Working Actors Journey, bringing you in-depth conversations with actors that have been working professionally for decades. So today's episode is directly because of your feedback. See, from the survey I sent out, over 70% of you wanted the text work sessions I did with the guests as separate episodes. So here you go. Happy to do it because as when I go back and re-listen to these clips, I learn something new each time. And from this season alone, we covered Shakespeare, Stoppard, Pinter, Coward, and newer works. So it's a great collection of episodes. While I have you here, I also want to highlight a few other things I learned from the survey. 42% listened to every episode. That's 12 episodes over 17 hours of content, which is just amazing to me. So thank you very much for those of you listening to everything. Nearly 60% of people listened to Dakin's episode, which was episode number 12, About 80% of you want to hear Q&A and or online classes with our guests, and over 85% want to hear more contemporary texts talked about. So I'm definitely thinking about how I can incorporate some of these ideas into the show going forward. Thank you again to everyone who shared their feedback. Now, as I mentioned, I'll be releasing excerpts of the text work from our previous episodes, so if you missed them the first time, you can catch the text work now, or rehear them in a shorter format. And if you enjoy these text work episodes, I highly encourage you to check out the full episode with the guest, as they are packed with so much candor, honesty, wisdom, and ideas on life as a working actor. They are fantastic conversations. First up of the text work episodes is Armin Shimmerman from episode number two. He's an actor, director, teacher, and scholar talking about the character of Richard of Gloucester, who becomes Richard III, from Shakespeare's Henry VI, Part Three. If you're following along, this is the soliloquy at the end of Act 3, Scene 2. So here we go with Armin. Please enjoy the text work. I would love to jump into, you know, just looking at um, a portion of the text from, from Henry VI, Part 3, the Richard of Gloucester speech um, that you had referenced earlier that you uh, used as a monologue. Um, earlier, and, and I was wondering if you could just, you know, highlight how you uh, approach this speech in particular, and, and maybe some of the ideas that you use in terms of, uh, you know, what you teach for Shakespeare, and then um, what you use personally. Well, one of the things I teach, uh, the, the thrust of my teaching in Shakespeare is a, a system of study that Shakespeare himself himself studied, and all of his contemporaries studied, and and people for millennium study. It's called rhetoric. And it's the way you put language together to form arguments in order to convince people of the rightness of an idea or of an action. And the, one of the things about rhetoric is that you say things in a sort of interesting way in order to catch people's attention and to make them remember. For instance, um, you're perhaps too young to have heard it originally. But the, the phrase that Kennedy used still lives and rings through people's minds, which is, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And that's a rhetorical piece. Why is it rhetorical? 
because there's a twist in the middle, and that's part of rhetoric. And also, there's the repetition of of words. Ask, ask not is 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 echoed in ask in the second part of the of the phrase ask. That's called antithesis, and also what I call juxtaposition. So, in a lot of Shakespeare, there are these juxtapositions. Antithetical. The most famous antithetical in Shakespeare is to be or not to be. That's an antithetical. Either you are to be or you aren't not to be. Um, and and that's that's littered throughout my audition speech. Um, there is also classical references in the in the course of my my speech. Um, all of those have to be explored, investigated, understood, and and you are you are. All of that is material in order to make an argument, to make a supposition. And then when you've made the conclusion of that supposition, you then progress on from there. That's what my audition speech is about. There are a number of suppositions that come to a conclusion, and then having made that conclusion, you you find a a course of action. Um, So that's what I teach, and, and that's what's in the speech. Okay, so, and just for context, uh, this is... It's late in the play of Henry VI, Part Three. Okay, and um, it, it, it is a quite a long speech. Where would you usually start it for your monologue? I started it in the middle. Somewhere in the middle, uh, it starts with, well, say there is no kingdom then for Richard. And that's the supposition. Well, suppose I can't get what I want. And then... Um, there are a lot of suppositions made, and eventually you come to a conclusion. It starts there, and I, and I did some judicious cutting so that it, it lasted no more than, I think, two minutes at the most. And, um, and I've you know, worked on it. I've had revelations about the speech over the course of my lifetime. But usually when I do it as an audition, and I don't have to do it that often anymore, but when I do it, um, I usually find something new in the speech, and that's the great thing about Shakespeare. You always find something new. And do you do you enjoy teaching Shakespeare more, or acting, or directing? What what? Uh... I actually prefer teaching it more, um, because there's such joy in me when I see a student who knew nothing about rhetoric before, where a line made no sense before when they learn the principles of rhetoric and they put the acting techniques that go with the rhetoric together with the understanding of rhetoric and all of a sudden the light goes off in their head and they go, oh, I see, I got it, I understand. That to me is as precious as the finest Christmas gift that you can get. Um, it, is, it is why I teach is to see that light go off, um, to see someone who didn't understand something before, understand it now, and to become a better actor because of their understanding of this acting technique. Now, I remember when, when we first talked about this in another call about this piece, you mentioned there was, you could kind of relate to the insecurity and anger in Richard. Right. The rhetoric is, is what I've been talking about, mm-hmm. but what drew me to the piece is the insecurity and the and the self-loathing uh, that is intrinsic in the piece. And that's what drew me to the piece. Uh, I, it, it, it's, uh, it, it was part and parcel of my youth, of my insecurity before, um, before my successes. 
and I can look back on that and still remember it. Um, and so it will fuel my audition when I do it. But um, it's no longer um, as the fire doesn't burn as bright as it used to. But but you're saying you had that same kind of that same kind of self-loathing as a kid, or no? But I can draw upon my old feeling about that. Uh, as I said, about the time uh, I would say somewhere in my late thirties, uh, at forty, um, there was probably quite a bit of that still hanging around. But my life took such a turn for the better, um, as far as career and finances and uh, security that. Um, and, and also just an understanding of, of who I am, um, and how I fit into the jigsaw puzzle of life, community, friendships, um, that self-loathing I believe is, it's still with me a little, but, but, but very tiny compared to how large it loomed, uh, when I was in my late thirties and at a 40. Well, would you be comfortable sharing a little bit of the piece with us? Sure. Yeah. I can, I can probably, if I haven't forgotten it, I think I can give you all of it. Okay. Um, so it, it goes a, a little like this. Well, say there is no kingdom then for Richard. What other pleasures can the world afford? I'll make my heaven in a lady's lap and deck my body in gay ornaments and which sweet ladies with my words and looks. Why, love forswore me in my mother's womb. She did corrupt frail nature with some bribe to shrink mine arm up like a withered shrub, to make an envious mountain on my back with its deformity to mock my body, to shape my legs of an unequal size, to disproportion me in every part like... like to a chaos. And am I then a man to be beloved? Huh? Then, since this earth affords no joy to me, I'll make my heaven to dream upon the crown. And yet, I know not how to get the crown. For many lives stand between me and home. Why? I can smile and murder whilst I smile and cry content to that which grieves my heart. I can add colors to the chameleon, change shapes with Proteus for advantages, and set the murderous Machiavel to school. Can I do this and cannot get a crown? Tut, were it further off, I will pluck it down. And that's that. Thank you very much, Armin. That was great. You know, what uh, What really strikes me about this speech, and, and so many like this in Shakespeare's writing, is how the character works through this, you know, in the moment with the audience. Right. That that he, he you know, he doesn't come decided. Um, it's it's figuring out in the moment what's what he's going to do next what he's go- what's going to happen it is it is what i mentioned before and what i'll mention again is called the argument you 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 figure it out you make an argument and either you like where the argument is going and you form a course of action or you don't like it 
and uh, you look for a different argument. But but right, you don't you don't come with an answer. You come with a supposition, and then you you work it through. You you work you work through the the permutations until you come to some conclusion. Mm. Well, uh, taking Richard's last line, I, I would say with all of your uh, your good fortune, you, you have plucked down that crown, though not through such uh, uh, deceitful means. I would agree with you, yes. <laughs> hey guys, Nathan here one more time. Hope you enjoyed this excerpt. If you're not already subscribed, quick reminder to do so so that you don't miss anything ahead. And if you can take a minute to rate and review this on Google Podcasts or iTunes, that will help others find and learn more about this show. I appreciate all comments, and thank you so much for doing that. Be sure to visit WorkingActorsJourney.com for show notes and more, and we're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Nathan Agin, and thanks for listening.